right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis, right? Genesis 15. Uh, the title of this is just uh, the Abrahamic Covenant reestablished. In 15, God reestablishes His promise with, um, with Abraham. And so as you turn there, I'm just going to get me a sip of water. As you turn, I want to remind you what happened last week with uh, Abraham. Last week, Lot is uh, taken, he's kidnapped, and uh, Abraham goes after him with his trained men. Abraham defeats uh, five kings. Uh, And so now, this this is important because chapter 15 starts with the understanding of what just happened in 14. In 14, Abraham goes out again, defeats five kings, come, he's blessed by the kings, and so just would point this out before this, Abraham would have just been someone who lived in the area. Now Abraham, in a sense, becomes a threat. Uh, He he poses a threat to the kings. And so on his mind, undoubtedly, is this notion that, uh, okay, I've gone in and I've done what God's called me to do, but God handed me victory over five kings. But now there's ten kings in the vicinity of where Abraham lives, and now all those kings look to Abraham and see a possible threat. And so, uh, again, you just need to know that. I want to remind you of that as we get into Genesis 15 because that kind of sets the stage uh, for what God's going to share with, with Abraham. And so I just have, uh, I'll throw the, the map up again just so you see it. Uh, I know the red is his travels. I know you can't see it great from where you're at, but I would encourage you, find this map in your Bible and take a look at it so you can just kind of get yourself accustomed to, to where Abraham's life and his journey takes him and, and where we're at in each passage. These are the four things I'd just like to, to point out in, in the sermon today. I, I believe Genesis 15 clearly teaches, one, that we are not to be afraid. As God's people, if we're living in God's will, it's the safest place you can be. It's in the very center of God's will for your life. Uh, as a Christian, when you get outside of the will of God, there's probably no more dangerous place To live is to be out doing your own thing, your own way, according to your own works and your own will. Uh, The second is God is our reward. Uh, So just think about this for a second. God is enough. God God should be enough for every believer. It's It's not a relationship with God plus all these material things. It's not a relationship with God plus anything. But in everything, our relationship with God has to be enough for us. It should be all satisfying. And we'll see this Abraham in his life, God is enough for him. He doesn't need all the other things this life may afford us. Abraham's told to look to the stars. And so I want to look at this for a few minutes today uh, after we read the passage. Look to the stars. I would share to you that anytime you have a problem in this life, anytime you're facing some overwhelming circumstances, uh, you, you find yourself in the midst of some battle, whether it be a sp- spiritual battle, physical battle, uh, listen, look to the stars and know that the very one who created the stars is the one who stands in your corner, is the one who equips you to make it in and through this life. It, it, it equips you to make it not only through difficult cir- circumstances, but for God to use those difficult circumstances to produce something within you, this peculiar weight of glory, the New Testament says, that Christ is, um, is working within us. And then the final thing is this. Righteousness always comes by faith. Righteousness is not based on how many works you can do, how good of the works uh, that you try to do in this life, not how smart you are, not how much money you give, not how many uh, times you show up on a 
particular week to your actual physical church address. Righteousness comes by faith and by faith alone. So when God looks at us and it's accredited to, uh, to us, righteousness, when God sees us and says that this man is declared righteous. And by the way, this is what through the Lord Jesus Christ, one day we stand before God and we will be declared righteous. But that righteousness comes by faith and there's no other way to receive the righteousness of God in your life through Christ Jesus. And so these are the four things I want to talk a little bit about and, and uh, uh, go a little further into detail. But let's just read Genesis 15 together. I'll have it up on the wall. And then after we read it, I just want to spend some time talking about these four aspects of what's taking place in the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 15. Genesis 15, 1 says this, After these events, remember the war, after he's went out and defeated these kings and then come back and the kings have paid homage. So after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Abram continued, Look, you've given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him aside and said, look at the sky, count the stars, if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now this is, Abraham believed in the Lord, and the Lord credited it to Abraham's account, the righteousness. In verse 7, he continues, He also said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Lord God, how can I know that I will possess it? And he said to him, Bring me three Bring me a three-year-old cow and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Just, I want to clarify what's going on here. God's about to make a covenant, an agreement to reestablish this with Abraham. And, and in, in the culture and in the Old Testament time, when there's an agreement, when there's a covenant about to be made, this is the process. It's kind of sealing it in blood. And so they would take these animals, they would sacrifice them. Literally, it's going to say, I think in the in Scripture as well, they would cut them in half and they would lay them on opposite ends of one another. And what I mean is they would create like a, an aisle that you would walk through those sacrifices. And by walking through the sacrifice, you are agreeing that, uh, that you are going to adhere to the terms of the sacrifice. And if not, then you're laying your life down like those animals. So you are waging your life. It is your word. So this is a way that when covenants were made, that you sealed the covenant in blood. Verse 10 says, he's, So he brought all these out, cut them in half, laid the pieces opposite each other, but he did not cut the birds in half. Birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. And as the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram, and suddenly great terror and darkness descended upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. 
And we know this is going to come true in just a few chapters, right? We're going to get into the whole book of, of Exodus. Not, we're not going to go through the whole book of Exodus. But when we get to Exodus, we see this having been accounted, the people, for 400 years being taken out of their land and being enslaved. However, I will judge the nations they serve, and afterward they will go out with many possessions. Do you remember that when the children of Israel left Egypt, that they went out with all these possessions that the Egyptians gave them? All these resources, gold and animals and all sorts of things that they didn't even work for, didn't belong to them, but that the Egyptians had earned and now gave it to them. All of this to bring to pass what Genesis 15 declares. Verse 15 says, But you will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Here's what God's saying. Uh, Listen, He is sovereign over all people and over all nations. And He says, rather than handing the Amorites over to you now, they haven't reached the full depravity of what they're going to do. So just wait. The Amorites are going to go so far against God that God will hand them over and deliver them to the hand of the Hebrews. Verse 17 says, When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. What is this? This is God. God is coming down and passing between the animals that have been sacrificed and cut in half as a seal to the covenant he's making with God. Remember, I just titled this the Abrahamic covenant reestablished. God is reaffirming to Abraham that which he has already told him and promised him. There's a renewal. In a sense, it's almost like renewing your vows as husband and wife. You already made a commitment to one another, but you come together once again after a period of time so that your friends and family may come together and you reaffirm your love for one another. You reaffirm your commitment to one another. God's already made a covenant with Abraham. But in Genesis 15, he reestablishes that covenant. He lets Abraham know, I haven't forgotten the promises I brought you. You notice Abraham's tone? Abraham, at some point, has been questioning how God's plan is going to come true. When God says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham says, how can you bless me? I'm childless. God had already told him previous, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And still there's doubt in Abraham's mind. But what God does is to reaffirm his promise. God ever do this in your personal life when God's shared something just between you and God, when God's made a promise to you or you've been praying about something and you just feel God said yes, yes to your answer to the prayer and, and you haven't quite seen it yet and God reaffirms to you what He told you before? You open God's Word, maybe you've been struggling with something, you open God's Word, you begin to read it and immediately God reaffirms His Word in your life. It's a word you need to hear. Or you come to church on a Sunday morning and you've been struggling with something and the pastor gets up and he's not preaching about you or to you alone. He's just preaching the Word of God. And God, through His Word, reestablishes something in your heart. You're, you're once again reminded that God hasn't forgotten about you. That what God said He will do, He will do and He will accomplish. So here this is, it's the smoking fire pot and a flaming torch that Abraham in his dream sees going between these animals that have been sacrificed, have been cut in half. Why is he going between them? To say, 
I, by, by death, I vow to keep this covenant. If I break this covenant, then let the death of these animals represent my death. It's a pledge. I think it's a pretty hefty pledge, amen? Usually today, they just make you sign a bunch of paperwork. Right? Back then, you, 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 you cut these animals in half, you walked between them and said, if I break this covenant, let me be like one of these animals. On that day, the Lord, this is verse 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, river, the land of the Canaanites, Kenizzites, Kadamanites, Hittites, Parasites, Raphim, Amorites, Canaanites, Gergesites, and Jebusites. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, in these next few minutes as we look at your word, uh, please speak to our hearts and our minds. Uh, Lord, what we need today is not a sermon that some man has developed or come up with, but Lord, what we need is to hear directly from you. Help us to know that your word is always enough. It is all sufficient. And that when the word of the Lord goes out, it accomplishes what it intends to accomplish. It does not return void. And so we pray this morning that the Holy Spirit of God speak to our hearts right where we're at. With the circumstances we're facing that maybe no one else even knows about, may today the Holy Spirit reaffirm in our hearts that you're with us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that nothing can ever separate us from your love. And in that, we stand and on that foundation, Lord, help us to build a life that's pleasing to you and a testimony to others. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So these four things just want to look at, and so David, you can just throw those four points up and leave them up. I talked to you, uh, I was trying to just reintroduce, remind you what happened in Genesis 14 with the battle that Abraham's just fought. And so he's just defeated these men, he's just uh, given a tithe to Melchizedek, the king and the, the priest of Salem, which would become Jerusalem. And now Abraham cries out to God, and God speaks to Abraham in a vision. And the very first thing that God says to Abraham after these things, right? So after the events, after these battles are fought, the next thing God says to Abraham in this vision is, don't be afraid, Abram. You don't have anything to fear. You remember that when Abraham is talking to the king of Sodom, and the king of Sodom says, take all the possessions that you've recovered, just give me my people back. And Abram said, no, I, I made a commitment to God that if God would give me victory, that I would not keep anything from the spoils of war. So the men who went with me, whatever it is that they deserve, they can take that back, but we're not keeping any possessions. Why? Because I want only God to receive the glory for the goodness that takes place in my life. I don't want anything else in my life to point to anything but God. I want the blessings that I'm going through. I want uh, the provision that, that I have in my life. I want all of that to point others to Christ. All right? Abraham would say to Yahweh, right? To, to the Lord, Jehovah. First thing God tells him, Abraham, don't be afraid. I would say to you this morning that, that God's still in the business of reminding his people that we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. When the world seems to be closing in all around us, when all of a sudden we find ourselves like Abraham is now a potential threat to other people. 
We don't have to fear. Not if we've aligned our life with the will of God. Abraham did not go out fighting looking to make a name for himself. Amen? You've got to remember Genesis 14. Abraham goes out just to recover his nephew Lot. God gives him a victory not because Abraham wants to make a name for himself, but because Abraham wants to make much of the name of God. I'm going to ask you, in your life, the way you live each and every day, the things you do, the priorities that you make, are we doing things to make a name for ourselves? Are we doing things to bring glory to the name of God? As a church, when we do the things we do as a church, are we doing it to make a name for our church? Are we doing it to bring glory to the name of God? And I want to tell you that if you truly want to live a life where you find yourself always at peace, no matter the circumstances, then your life needs about needs to be about making much of the name of God and to the glory of God and much less about making a name for ourselves. Everything we do, we ought to do for the glory of God. Everything we do, we ought to do to the very best of our abilities, though we were doing it to the Lord Himself. But in all those things, we do it to the very best of our ability, not so others look at us and think much of us, but so others might look at us and think much of our God. Abraham's a beautiful picture of faithfulness, of trusting. But even Abraham has moments where he's fearful, where he questions himself. Not God, but himself. Don't be afraid. I would say that to you this morning. We're surrounded in a world where uh, it seems that every time we turn on the television, people are only reporting things that want to drive us into our homes to never come out again. Take precautions that you need to make. Absolutely. If you're not living in the house with somebody, keep your distance from them. If you're going in a place where people are going to be right up all over you and on you, wear a mask. far as I know, I'm just as free today as I was yesterday, and I wore a mask yesterday. I told Sonia, you know, I don't know why we're making such a big deal about no masks and no service. I grew up as a kid, and every store I went to said, no shirt, no shoes, no service. It wasn't a sign of the mark of the beast. They just didn't want you coming in the store without a shirt and barefoot. I was, it's not like my freedom was taken away because I had to put a shirt on. And yet we're so afraid that maybe this is lining up to... No, God's in control. God is in control. God's will is going to come about. It's going to take place. What He already knows, what He's already designed, what, what He's already planned, it's going to happen. Don't be afraid. Know this, whatever it is we're, we're facing today, God's got it in the palm of His hand and it's under control. And when He decides to come back and get His church, He's going to come back and get His church. If you're a Christian today, you shouldn't be worried about the mark of the beast. You're only worried about the mark of the beast if you don't get taken in the rapture, for those of you who are dispensated. You with me? All right, if you're worried about the mark of the beast, then you need to talk to God about giving you security about your salvation. You can't accidentally take the mark of the beast. You can't put a mask on and accidentally it's got some kind of tag on the inside and you've accepted the mark of the beast and didn't even know it. The mark of the beast is not something you can accidentally get. And so when you see all these things all over Facebook and, and Instagram and 
uh, about the mark of the beast, man, don't allow those things to fear, cause fear to stir up in your life. You're a child of God. You don't have to worry about the mark of the beast. Put a mask on when you're going somewhere and you're going to be around somebody. I promise you, you'll be just as free when you get out the store. You can take it off. If, if you can't wear it for some reason, don't wear it. Don't fear. And don't persecute somebody else for wearing the mask. There's just crazy people in this world. And, and somehow, we listen to them. Right. If, if they got 2,000 views on Facebook, it has to be true. Right? I mean, it's got to be true. If it gets shared by a bunch of people, it has to be true. No, friend, it may not be true. In the news business, fear sells a whole lot better than peace. Don't turn the news on and expect to hear about peace. Expect to be, be shown the most uh, dreaded imagery that we can find. If you're a Christian, don't fear. Don't be afraid. This is what God's saying to Abraham, right? Abraham, I made a covenant with you. You left your home. You've come out, right? You, you went to Egypt and you shouldn't have done that. Now you came back and you and Lot have separated and, and you, you've been doing what I've called you to do. You've been living good. Abraham, you went out and you fought a battle and I gave you the victory and you gave me the glory, so do not be afraid. I called you to this land. Live here. I told you that you were going to have descendants. Just wait. Don't give up on it. Do you see some despair in Abraham as he's talking to God? God, what can you give me? God says, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. And Abraham's response to God saying, I'm your shield. Your reward's going to be great is, what can you give me, God? I'm childless. To which God reaffirms. It won't be a slave from your house who becomes your heir. It'll be someone from your very own body. It'll be your son. God says, I'm your shield. Your reward will be great. What's just happened? Remember, 15 starts after these events. What events? The events of chapter 14. Remember, king of Sodom and Abraham, keep all the possessions that, that you earned. You, you've earned those. You went, you defeated those kings. That's the spoils of war. Keep those possessions. Abraham to the king of Sodom. No. No, I, I will not have anybody saying, you made me rich. But that God provided for me. Abram's heart is in the right place. But undoubtedly, he needed to be encouraged and reminded that God was a rewarder. That God was enough. That he didn't need the spoils of war. Don't be afraid from the battles you just fought, Abraham. And don't worry about all the stuff that you didn't take. Great will be your reward because your heart is in the right place. Here's the thing. We ought to live life not concerned about what we might get, but concern that God be glorified. And when we live our life where God is glorified, there will be reward. It might not be a million dollars. You with me? Or a billion dollars today. Maybe that's more equivalent to 
It might not be money. It might be health. God says to Abram, Abram, you're going to enjoy a long, good life. How many of us would not trade a long, good, healthy life for things from this world that are just possessions? How many of us would consider ourselves not blessed if God was giving us breath to breathe and another day to live? Abraham understood this. God only reminded him, I'll be your reward. And I wonder today if God is enough for us. God, are you, are you enough for us? Am I satisfied in you? Because if you're not, you'll never be satisfied. Make sure you hear me. You can never get enough stuff on this side of eternity to satisfy the appetite you can create within your own life for more stuff. The more you get, the more you want. You say, no, not me. I just want, I just want this amount. Not friend, I'm telling you, if you're putting your hope in how much stuff you can get or how much stuff you need, you will never be satisfied. The only satisfaction you can find in this life is when God is everything, when God is enough, that you delight in God and Him alone. Isn't it something? As a Christian, we are just, God, just, I, I want my family to be taken care of. I want, I want us to have food on the table. But God, all the other stuff I really don't care about, you're enough. And since you're enough, I trust you with those things that we need as a family. Things are not bad in and of themselves. So if you have a bunch of things, I'm not putting you down. I'm not saying you're evil or wrong. I'm just telling you that you can't put your desire, you can't put your passion in the stuff. It needs to be in and with God and God alone. I would even submit, don't put it in other people, right? God first. He's in a class all by himself. God, my wife, my children, my church. You with me? Stuff comes much later on the list than God. Are you making time for God? Does your life reflect that God is the priority of your life? Look at your days. Look at your weeks. Where do you spend your time? Where's all your passion? Where's your energy going to? Is God the first thing on your list? We see in Abraham's life, God's first. It's why we will not be surprised when he takes Isaac up to the hill to sacrifice him because God told him to. Why? Because he trusted God. If, if I'm going to have descendants through Isaac, then I trust God. He'll raise him from the dead or he'll provide a, a substitute. I just know that we're going up together and we're going to come back together. Whatever happens with the sacrifice, do you trust God? And then can I just, God reminds Abraham, look to the stars. Hello, look to the stars, Abraham. Now count them. You can imagine Abraham, right? Like, God, you can't count the stars. Now we know that not only are there billions and billions and I don't know how many stars, but, I mean, we're talking about 300 million galaxies that each one has millions, if not billions, of stars within them. 
And so God's saying, look at the the cosmos. Look at the the world around you. If if I just spoke all of this into existence out of nothing, then surely to goodness, Abram, I can give you a child of your own body. And the same declaration is true for us. If, If God's given you peace about something, if you've read God's Word, if you've been seeking God's hand about something, and God's let you know, I want to do this in your life, I want this to take place in your life, Listen, look at the stars. Count them. Remember that they came into existence simply at the word of God. He made everything from nothing. He just spoke it into being. And if God can do that, he can certainly take care of the issues that we have. The circumstances that we find ourselves in. All right, this is exciting. My last point. You want to see Christ in the Old Testament? This is like the book of Romans quoted in Genesis almost. In chapter 15, verse 6, it says that God credited it to him as righteousness. I want you to think back to the dream that Abraham has. God says, I'm going to make a covenant between me and you. Make the sacrifices so that we can seal the agreement. The sacrifices are made. They're laid out. Abraham goes into a sleep. Sees God. God goes through back and forth for both of them. This is what God say. That the agreement I've made with you, Abraham, is not dependent on what you can do. The agreement I'm making with you, Abraham, is dependent on what I can do. God seals the agreement in and of himself. And he credits Abram with righteousness. This is the covenant. It's pointing us to Christ, right? I am a sinner in desperate need of being saved. I have no righteousness in and of myself. I'm just a sinner, fallen. God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, who sacrifices Himself as the terms of the agreement and the covenant He makes with us. We don't go through the the process of affirming it from our side. Christ affirms it both for us and Him. Christ died so that we might be saved. He made a sacrifice for our sins, but it just so happened that the sacrifice he made was himself. The covenant has been sealed in the blood of Jesus. My salvation is not dependent on me. I can't be good enough to keep myself saved. I could never have done enough good to get saved in the first place. My salvation is all based on the work of Jesus Christ. Me staying saved. You with me? If that's the way you want to put it. My salvation being secure is not based on what I can do in the agreement. It's based on the fact that Jesus vouches for me. And like Abram who sat back and watched God vouch for him in this covenant, so Christ vouches for us. It's the blood of Jesus that saves us. It's not something I do with my hands or my feet or say with my mouth. It's not something I think in my mind. It is the work of Jesus Christ. 
It is the finished work of Christ. He saved me. And He sealed that by His very blood and then given us the Holy Spirit of God that we might live in such a way that both pleases God, brings glory to His name, and edifies other believers while at the same time being a testimony to a lost world. We, we say sometimes how good God is and how great God is. The mercy and the grace of God is mind-blowing. And just hear this, church. Your salvation is based in the work of Christ. And it is the very same work of Christ that seals you unto that salvation. Why? Because you have been covered by the blood. It's a beautiful picture of a covenant that's been made by God where God not only is present for the agreement, but God Himself becomes the sacrifice that seals the agreement. Is Jesus enough? And the answer is, He's more than enough. He's more than enough. And if you know Him today, then He's given you all that you need to live for Him each and every day. Because the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that lives and resides within every believer. It's the Holy Spirit of God. So I pray that we would just allow that to sink in that is the finished work of Jesus and not anything I can add to the work, but the work of Christ alone. And in that, I know that my eternity is secure. I don't have to be afraid of what's going on around me. He is my reward and he's all I need. He's demonstrated it already that he has the power. All I have to do is look up every night and see the stars in the sky and know that he opened his mouth and breathed stars out. That's the kind of God we serve. He can definitely do all. More, immeasurably more than anything we could ever think. And the righteousness I have is the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ alone. You see, it was Abraham's faith that God accounted righteousness to him because of. It is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work he's done that we are accounted righteous before God. Amen? Sonia, you mind just playing? Sonia comes and plays. I invite you where you're at. You can pray right where you're at. If you need to pray with someone, I'll pray with you. Amen? Um, or maybe you just need some time to spend with God right where you're at. And as Sonia plays, Tyler will close us out in prayer. I just pray God would continue to bless you, encourage you. What an encouragement it is to know that my righteousness comes about by my faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. I pray that encourages your hearts today too. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray you continue to speak to our hearts and minds. We thank you for a wonderful week where we were able to not just talk about being the church, but we were able to go out and demonstrate what being the church is really all about, and that is to, to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus 
that a world might see that church is not a building, but church are the people of God. And this past week, we've seen work done in the name of Jesus, not in an attempt that we might gain a name for ourselves. Thank you for keeping us all safe and all the young people safe during the week. And I pray that what they learned each night in their worship sessions would forever change their life for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.